The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go beyond reality. Good evening, good night, whatever it is. Welcome to the program. It's great to have you here. I'm a little uh, behind. I just made it uh, for the end of the theme there, and um, I'm, I'm a little disheveled, so bear with me. I hope everybody's been having a great day and into a great evening here, and I hope we uh, are all ready for a great show because we've got Bernie Taylor has been here a couple of times already, and he's going to be talking about heaven and hell and the origins of these concepts uh, throughout time. It's a pretty interesting look at history and how mankind has uh, dealt with these ideas. So a lot of stuff going on in the news, a lot of people um, debating, uh, you know, what we'd have to do next here as this country is starting to loosen its grip on uh, these quarantines and these social distancing rules. And others are saying as we do that, it makes it more dangerous for people. But um, I don't know. We're going to have to see how this plays out. I hope you're all being safe, though. Hope you're all being smart and being safe. And I think if we're smart, we can actually venture out a little bit and, uh, and be okay. Wash your hands. Don't rub your eyes. Uh, don't touch your face, which I do all the time. You, 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 those of you watching me on the YouTube stream see that I'm always touching my face. But then again, I haven't gone anywhere or been in contact with anybody. So I don't think that, um, that I could be uh, picking up anything because I haven't been exposed to anybody. Uh, what else do I need to tell you? Uh, if, you're, if you're listening to this as a podcast, please find the YouTube channel. Become part of our community there, youtube.com. Uh, and just search for J.V. Johnson, and vice versa. If you're part of our YouTube family, find the podcast version of the show. The, fo- the podcast version of the show is available on all major podcast distribution platforms. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, um, TuneIn. Uh, there are others, too. I don't know what the full list is, but it's almost everywhere. But the name of the show on the podcast distribution platforms is Beyond Reality Paranormal. So if you're looking for it, that's what you got to look for. Also, of course, the Twitch channel is uh, picking up a lot of steam. A lot of people are going to the Twitch channel and farming noggins. And if you don't know what that means, it's probably a good thing. But if you're on the Twitch channel, you know exactly what I am talking about. Yeah, now I see people commenting on uh, the length of my my hair. It just keeps getting longer, and uh, there's no haircut in sight. I, I will have a ponytail by the by the end of this. I think we're headed in that direction. That will be interesting, won't it? Uh, I'm not excited about it, but you know we could I could grow the ponytail, and then I could put a, a, an option in the uh, Twitch chat where people can um, can spend their noggins to uh, make me cut it off. That would be an interesting angle, right? It's beyond reality. Don't go anywhere. Please support the program. Go to Patreon.com/slash/Joha. That's J-O-H-A-W. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Tonight, for the rest of our program tonight, we've got one of our favorite guests, a returning guest. Bernie Taylor is back with us. Bernie, welcome back to Beyond Reality. It's great to have you with us again. J.B., thanks for having me on as well. Oh. I believe this is number five. Is it that? Has anybody <laughs> been on more than five? I don't think so. You might hold the record. 
<laughs> when was the last time you were on? Was it was it a year ago or more recent than that? I'm trying to remember. Well, maybe six months or so. Six Tell months. One of your um, guest hosts from Massachusetts. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Great. Well, it's always good to have you on. So I'm excited. And we're going to talk about a pretty interesting topic tonight, these concepts of heaven and hell. I mean, this is all, uh, and, and most people think of this stuff in terms of religion, but it goes beyond that, doesn't it, Bernie? Well, we got to step back. I ask you today a question. Are you ready for a really good ghost story? Yeah, let's go with a good ghost story. I mean, the best ghost story. But to hear this ghost story, you have to go to hell. Are you ready to go to hell? <laughs> oh, I, I, only if we stay there briefly. <laughs> okay, well, we're, we're going to go there, but we're going to come back, because we would, we would not be the first people that have done that. Really? So it's been done, in, it's been done by people in the past. Hercules, of course, goes to hell. He comes back in. So does Odysseus. So religion. So religion. When we most, you're right, most of the time we think about heaven and hell, it's from a religious sense. Right. And the, the first notions of heaven itself come from Christianity and Islam. Um, Matthew 6.10, we have on earth as it is in heaven. And that's one of our earliest, earliest times that we hear of a heaven. So, you know, people, people around the world have different beliefs, and so we're going to kind of talk about Western thought today. But heaven in itself is a fairly new concept. Before, before that heaven, you, we, um, you know, there was actually after that we have as above, so below. So, so we're on the terrestrial plane, there's something below us, which is the underworld, and above us would be the, would be the heavens. But that's a fairly new concept. So Christian, Christians, Christianity made up the concept of heaven, but it's, it's based on something that precedes it by tens of thousands of years. So help me understand this. The concept of as above, so below, that, that came after references to uh, as on earth as it will in heaven? Exactly. It comes about the, um, the 6th century or so, okay. which is from a hermetic, the emerald tablet in the hermetic tradition. So the hermetics, that tradition comes after Christianity, but this hermetic tradition actually draws on a much earlier belief. And if we talk about as above, so below, you know, how, many, how many planes are there? Are you asking me if I know how many planes I'm are there? I'm asking you question. How many planes? As above, so below. How, how many planes are there? Are there seven planes? I don't know the answer Well, there's got to gotta be three. There's got to be the plane that you're standing oh, on. Oh, right. Okay, gotcha. I understand the question now. Yep. There's the plane below you, and then there's the plane above you. So most people think of as above, so below in sort of this astro- astrology sense. Right. You know, so what happens on Earth happens up in stars and vice versa. And, um, but it's really three planes. And and the and the as above so below concept that was a, a way to help explain uh, the idea that there is a um, uh, a heaven that somewhat mirrors where we, what we what we are living on in this plane. Well, in the the answer to that is it's all the same. Okay. as above so below. Yeah. So if we go to a Paleolithic cave image, okay, we're going to go back to to Spain, thirty four thousand years ago, and in this deep cave, we have the constellations just as the Greeks saw them. Many of the Greeks saw them. So this is a deep cave. And those constellations were animals that were in their terrestrial world. So if they, they crawled out, if they walked out of the cave and they were, you know, terra firma, they saw the same animals as they had marked in the ground on this wall as constellations and as they saw above into the night sky. Three planes as above, so below. 
So the Hermetic tradition doesn't actually draw on Christianity, but rather draws on a much earlier tradition from tens of thousands of years ago. So there's a, the, the heaven, the, well, heaven is really a Christian word, but the above is a reflection of what happens on the terrestrial world, because most of the, most of the constellations in the night sky are animals. They're the same animals that people saw around them. Okay? And then what's in, the, in, these cave image, in these cave images, we find those same animals below ground, painted or uh, etched or engraved on the walls of the cave. Right. So we have the three planes, as in Hermetic tradition. So that leads us to the underworld. That's the hell. Okay. Okay. But in the, in the Christian tradition, we can go to the King James Version of the Bible. In Luke 6, 16, we find the power of Lazarus and the rich man. And the, where the rich man finds himself in the flames of Hades, while the angels take Lazarus to Abraham, which presumably in, in heaven. Interesting concepts. So we have so a few things going on here. One is we have just established that there is a there are three realms in the Bible itself. There's where where people are in there before they die. There's where um, Lazarus goes after he dies, and where the rich greedy man goes. Um, um, to the into Hades, three realms itself, just like Hermetic tradition. Okay. Okay. So it's the religion itself. Um, people just people, we think of, um, you know, we go to another place in heaven, but when we go or to hell, but in these traditions that these draws from, going back tens of thousands of years, they're three pictures of the same thing. So as above is so below, and that there isn't a heaven and there isn't a hell. So where does, where does this um, the hell come from? Really kind of an important question here. Yeah. So, we have, so we kind of have to go there. Um, in the ancient Jewish tradition, which, of course, Christianity comes from, the dead are sent to a place called Sheol. I'm not sure if that's the correct pronunciation. It's S-H-E-O-L. And the Sheol is a place of darkness. It's the underworld. And it wasn't until um, later... Um, Judaic traditions that they had levels of planes, different planes within Sheol um, that people would go to. But from the earliest, the earliest place of Judaism, there was there was one place, the underworld, that you went to. So the, the, the ancient, more uh, more recent ancient Jewish people made up the concept of the hell itself, which or Sheol evolved into these other planes of existence below the ground, which then Christian Christians took to become hell itself. I believe that one of the one of the strengths of what drew people to Christianity was they they all of a sudden they didn't say that you have you know as above so below it's all the same as earth that you continue on in the same life you had, but rather if you're if you follow Christianity you go to the good place, and if you don't follow Christianity you become the greedy businessman. You go to the bad place, hell. So you and I, my assumption is you and I are not multimillionaires, or we're not going to go to the bad place, right? <laughs> is, is is having a million dollars the definition of being bad? <laughs> well, according to Bernie Sanders, and um, in the parable of Lazarus, it was the rich man wow. that went to Hades. Okay, right. So Bernie Sanders wasn't really that far off, was he? No, no, not in the Christian tradition, anyway. Right. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, that's actually the concept. Um, so we, we can go back in time, we can look at where these things evolve from. Um, and so Christians, 
Christians made up heaven and hell as we think of it today in the, in the Western tradition. And before that, there was the, the un, there was the underworld, and that underworld is those deep caves from tens of thousands of years ago. And people have gone to those deep caves in in, uh, in Western thought. You, do you remember? Think uh, now. You probably it's been a long time since you've read the Iliad, right? It's been a very long time. Yes. Well, you know, my first time reading was was in high school, but I revisited it in the last year. Um, and in Homer's Iliad from the 8th century BCE, okay, so that's a long time ago, um, in ancient Greek story, Odysseus travels to the world of the dead, the underworld, to ask for help. And in that underworld, he encounters heroes, monsters, and ghosts. Among them are Hercules, Orion, and Cepheus. And Cepheus, um, most people, he's, he's a minor character in, in Greek mythology, Cepheus cheated death a few times. And his punishment for cheating death was he had to continually roll um, a boulder up the mountain, and when he gets near to the top of the mountain, it would roll back down on right. him. He had to, that was his, his forever existence. Yeah. And, of course, Orion means the man in the mountain. So you, you typically find Cepheus in the same place you'll find Orion in, in, um, in images, and, uh, which we do find in the Pelitha Cave from 34,000 years ago. We find this man, he's actually, uh, my interpretation was he was swimming because it looks like the same thing, but in front of his head you have this big boulder type of thing. And um, he's in the same place as Orion that, at the mountain. Orion means the man in the mountain. And um, he's, he appears to be pushing his boulder up the mountain. So we can go, we can travel back in time. And we can go to see where these images came from and the place that Odysseus went to when he traveled to the underworld and where he met the heroes, the monsters, and the ghosts. So we're in hell right now, just to let you know. Okay. So no, no, uh, so everybody's driving out there, um, you know, pull over, you know, <laughs> hold your coffee real tight. But we're, 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 we've passed the gates of hell. Um, and we did that by going through through Greek mythology, and we're going back to the source of the Greek mythology, which are these Pelithic stories from which the Greeks derived their great myths. As we talk about this idea of a hell or the below, is there always a, or maybe, I know that actually, I think I know the answer, it's not always, but how common is it to have a demonic, or in in Christianity's uh, case, a satanic uh, leader of that realm? So the, the so well, um, Hades is the god of hell, okay, um, or actually the god of the underworld, which we have then come to make hell. Um, and Hades is the brother of Zeus and Poseidon, okay. Um, in the Christian tradition, we came up to state we Satan and the fallen angel and all these sort of things. And in some sense, there's some mirroring of of Satan. Um, with Hades, who is the he's, dest, he's destined to be the god of the underworld, which is not the better place to be, whereas Zeus is up in the, the clouds and Poseidon rules the oceans. I would take the, the clouds and the oceans any day um, to, the, to the underworld. So, this, so the, the Satan in the, the underworld, in this, in this fiery you know, cauldron of, of hell, is not that much different from Hades, except... In the Greek tradition, people aren't burning up in, in Hades. Um, when Odysseus goes, 
he chats with a he chats chats with Hercules and he chats with other heroes that he knew from the the Trojan War, and he asks for their advice. He asks them, "How are things going?" And they they say, "It's okay." And myth of Hercules, Hercules, and separately from the Iliad, Hercules goes back and he sees the children that he murdered, because that's how he has to go on his his labors as redemption for all these for murdering his own children. And he sees his own children there, and he, he hopes that someday he will be there in Hades to see those, the, the children. And um, so as a concept, and the children are at the age, so many, Hercules goes over many years of his, his labors before he meets the children, and the children are of the same age as when they died, which is the concept we still keep with us. Yeah. yeah concept. And so it comes from that, it comes from that same place. But yes, um, so when we go to hell, in the Christian sense, um, it's a really bad place, and you're going to be, you know, fire and brimstone and all that sort of stuff. But earlier than the Christians and earlier than the than the than the, um, the Jews, it was just it was a hole in the ground. And before it was a hole in the ground, it was a the caves that we went into. And and so it didn't always have this, uh, as you said, fire and brimstone component to it. Uh, what you know that is that Christian in itself? Hundred percent. Okay. <laughs> well, for, for for Western tradition is, but I can't say that somewhere in the Amazon someone has the same belief. Yeah, I, right. I, I don't know that, but for sure, for the Christian tradition, what as we see it, it comes from the Christian tradition. And when, when and I said when um, Odysseus goes into the underworld, he meets ghosts, and these are real ghosts to him. These are people that have already died. These are people that are not on the, on the surface already, because Hercules died long before uh, Odysseus, and Orion, and Apollo, and of course Cepheus had, had long ago perished. So he he is meeting people from that other world, the people that have moved on, um, but they're not. Um, you know, they're not in that real hot place. But that's a darn good story, isn't it? it yeah. The, the fire and brimstone. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Now let's. Um, uh, we we've got a few minutes here before the break. Here, I'm not sure if it's appropriate that I ask this question now. But if we don't get a complete answer, I can continue it on the other side of the break. But you know, when you've come on this program, you've talked extensively about the 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 cave paintings, the cave etchings. Uh, that date back, what, 34,000 years or so? 34, yeah. Yeah, 34,000 years ago. And you're tying these two together. So obviously that this predates anything the Greeks did. Um, oh, yes, by tens of thousands. So this is the source of the Greek mythology. This is where it comes from. So the stories that we tell, to, we, we tell today are built, are built on Greek mythology. And they lifted it right off of the cave walls. They saw characters, they saw heroes, and they saw what they believed to be villains, you know, the bad guy, and the, they saw um, the damsel in distress, and they found, saw different animals, a huge crocodile they made into a dragon, and they put these all into, into stories. And they weren't the same, 34,000 years ago the stories were, were actually a little different, but they found a villain, the monster and the crocodile. Um, they found the hero who, who, who saves the damsel in distress from the crocodile. Um, and yes, so we're we're retelling the same stories, but we find those we still find those ghosts. We still find that other world, because somewhere deep inside of us, we want to believe. 
How do uh, the stories um, uh, move from what we would consider to be the hunter-gatherer culture that kind of almost predates civilization to the Greek mythology? Did did are they? They went to the caves. They went to the caves uh, because the other option is that these stories are told over generations uh, and millennia. Actually, it'd have to be and eventually wind up as they are. But you're saying they actually went to the caves. They went to the caves. And we can, tell, we can tell they went to the caves because a few things. One is they left a lot of trash, tourist trash, you know, kind of stuff. Um, the other reason is that different people, different ancient Greeks and their predecessors, the Egyptians, had gone to these caves, and they walked away with different stories. So they looked at the same character, and one person said it was a monster, another one said it was a hero sort of thing. Um, and so it, here's an example. In, um, in these caves, one of the common characters is a man that overlaps with a horse, which then becomes a centaur. And then the, the horse overlaps with an eagle that becomes Pegasus. And so you have a man on a flying centaur. Actually, a man becomes a centaur is a flying centaur. Well, you can walk away with that. And you can say, well, that's Pegasus as a flying horse, or you can say that is just the man is cent- the, the centaur. Um, so people walked away with the same, they looked at the same images, and one person's group said, well, I'm just going to stick with the centaur. The other one said, well, I'm going to go with the, the flying horse. But in fact, in the, in the original Paleolithic tradition, they were all the same. The, the, the man um, transforms into the eagle and then the horse to take his spiritual journey, or his hero's journey. But the, the ancient Greeks didn't like that, so they split them up. And... Um, so yes, the um, different observers will go into it, and we'll see that's you know that's a horse, and we'll say that's a mare, that's a lead mare, and um, that's a that's a strong female character. Or if they see a crocodile, everybody's going to walk away and say it's a monster. Okay, um, but the you know we make our own stories from that, and when we we can go back and look at the story of Hercules, and we can look at Odysseus and their their own myths, and we can see which which characters that they mix and match with to come out with the stories of their own. Were the, um, and it, other than lifting the stories off of these cave walls and, and co-opting them uh, for their own interpretation, are there Correct. any references to the caves specifically in any of the, in any Greek or Egyptian writings? John Wright, they do. So Hercules goes, actually, he travels into the cave. So in his, in his last labor, he goes into the cave, travels to the underworld to capture the Cerberus, the three-headed dog. Um, and so he does go, he actually physically goes into, he goes into the deep, dark underworld. Um, and so, yes, he does. And another, another in the, Hercules' first labor, he goes into a cave to, to, um, to slay the Nimian lion. And Nimian lion is quite an interesting character because... In Greek mythic tradition, it's covered with red, red, red blood from its human victims that he, it ate in the cave. Okay. Mm. And on this Gower distance, this El Castillo cave in Spain, the, the, the lion, this huge lion, has those red discs right on him. And so the, we, not only do we find the cave that the Nimian lion was in from the mythic tradition, but we find the red dots, the blood that the Greeks took away as, you know, the, the slain victims. And when Hercules, he then slays the Nemean lion, he wraps around his neck, and we find that pelt from the Nemean lion in this cave image around 
the hero's neck in a cave, yeah. in a deep, deep cave. And that's the story, um, that's the first labor of Hercules. So yes, absolutely they went to the caves. And, um, and they tell that in the myth, because the, the cave is the underworld. So we start off this program, you ready to go to hell. I can give you addresses. We get on an airplane. Well, maybe not today. Get an airplane. Goes today, but, you know, give it a few months. We'll get on an airplane, and um, we can go visit the underworld. We can see hell itself, wow. and we can walk out of it. Well, again, the same way as the ancient Greeks did, and the same way that Hercules and Odysseus did on their mythic journeys. And the key is to be able to walk out of there. I don't, <laughs> that's, that's important to me. All right, hey, we're going we to have to be up at like 7 or 8 o'clock at night because they close. Tonight, of course, we're talking with Bernie Taylor. I think we've uh, established that Bernie is the record holder of, uh, for a number of appearances here on Beyond Reality, and it couldn't be a better person to have hold that record. Bernie, um, how did you get interested in this part of the story anyway? Um, not everybody looks at it at, quote-unquote, heaven and hell and decides to, uh, you know, put all these, uh, draw these lines to connect the dots here. Well, I believe that everyone is interested in the question of an afterlife, whether that be if we become worm food, sing with the angels, or our dust is blown throughout eternity, right. the breath of the cosmos. I personally subscribe to the cosmic breath eternity, but through my research, I found out there was a, some historical connection between all these, but I wasn't looking for it. I was working on my cave stuff, right, and I was, the myths and so on, and I started I went back and I was looking at the I was looking at reading the Iliad, and I realized that the Cepheus, the Orion, and the Hercules, and other characters that are that are shown in this in this cave panel, were in fact the underworld, and I started thinking about the concept that the underworld is the analogy to a hell, although it really isn't, and where do all these traditions come from? And I actually made an update to the book. So that before Ryan was printed, was uh, went to ebook in 2017, and I've since made an update to put these things in, because I personally wasn't interested in, in the first time around. But I started realizing that this actually has meaning, has relevance to where we are today. So when someone says, you know, go to hell, the answer is that, well, I'm okay with that because I know where it is. It's kind of a pretty cool place. Um, <laughs> But, but, you know, it, it does ask this question is, why do we want to believe? So why, why would we want to believe in ghosts? Um, why do we want to believe in, in a horrible place that we could go to? I mean, what is in us? So that's a question for you. you Jay, you're, JV, you're the expert on that one. Why do we want to believe? I think it all connects to something you just talked about just a second ago, and it's the fact that if those things are uh, real and they exist, that means there is something after this life, and it's an afterlife of some sort. And we hope that we all take the path to give us the best afterlife, um, but just the mere fact that we can believe there is one is uh, is uh, optimism for a lot of people. So here's for tens of thousands of years. There was the as above, so below. So you had the, the, the terrestrial plane where people lived in normal lives and the animals running around. Below them were the images of the exact same, and above them was the sky. And uh, so for tens of thousands of years, if, there, if people did not believe there was a hell or believe there was a heaven, because it was all the same, um, could you go to heaven or hell? I'm not sure I understand the question. Rephrase it for me. So before there was a heaven, before we thought there was a heaven and hell, 
when we actually had the concept of the as and above, so below, and mm-hmm. the below is really just where you, you, you died, you got buried, mm-hmm. then did anybody go to heaven and did anybody go to hell? Or did we create the belief, did we actually create a belief of a heaven and hell in our relatively, you know, last, you know, 2,000 years? If you didn't believe it was before, could there have been before? I imagine, I mean, you know, here, here's what it boils down to for me in some some respects. If it exists, it exists whether we believed it or not. And, you know, now that we, most people, at least Christians anyway, believe it, doesn't mean it didn't exist before the Christians were here. It had to, it had to be eternal in some fashion. However, having said that, the, the reverse could absolutely be true as well. Because maybe it was a mistake. Right. So it was a mistake for tens of thousands of years, or it was a mistake in the last... 2,000 years. And right. so in one of the caves, Gorham's Cave, um, we have the Hercules character, and we have the Cerberus, and the Cerberus is the three-headed dog. But what, there's actually three, segment, three, um, three series of dogs in this panel. And um, in all three series of dogs, dogs overlap each other. So in one there's two, another there's three, and then of course the Cerberus is, has three overlap with each other. So the, the the Cerberus is not exactly a three-headed dog. They're, um, they're dog, instead of having, you know, dogs on top of each other or, you know, laid out across this panel because it's not very big, what the artist did was he had, one, he had one dog in the foreground and then which captured, you know, two-thirds of the dog behind it because he just added on part of the head and the back and some, and some ears, and then he made the dog behind that a little bigger. So the dog, beca- the dog became three-headed. Not because there's three dogs, not because one dog has three heads, but because the overlapping of the actual images. So today, if someone took a photo of, you know, horses in, in a row, and, um, you, you know, ones could say, well, there's, there's, that horse has five heads. Or you could say that those horses are, are layered in a row, and that's how we see things through our eyes, because we can't see through the first horse. So when, Her- when Hercules goes down into hell um, and he returns from hell, he, he, he captures the Cerberus. Well, the, and he brings back the Cerberus. Um, and the, the Cerberus is actually a fi- the, the Greek interpretation of the Cerberus in hell, in Hades, was a mistake. It was a misunderstanding of the overlapping of the images, or maybe it's just what they they recognize. Maybe they recognize the overlapping images, but it was a better, it was a darn good story to tell it as a Cerberus, the three-headed dog that he brought back, than it was for the overlapping of images. Just like you have a six-headed um, horse in a stable. So maybe it's the um, maybe we like to tell stories. We and we we come up with amazing stories, great stories. Stories that are based on um, those that come way long before our time. So whether or not we, so we choose to believe. We choose to believe there's a heaven. We choose to believe there's a hell. Um, and maybe that gives us some sort of social order. But among the ancient Greeks, it didn't really. The, you went. Everybody went to the underworld. Um, it's just where you went, and that. So you, you know, you didn't stop. You, if you're a good person in the in 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 your life or you're a great hero, you all went to the same, or you're a villain, you all went to the same place. So Bernie, then, is is the idea that, I mean, quite honestly, heaven and hell are uh, basically interchangeable with reward and punishment in some 
some yeah. uh, you know views. Uh, are those are those functions of Abrahamic uh, religions or only or not Christian? Just Christian, Christian. just Christian, even. Yeah, so um, ancient Jews didn't have that. Okay, um, they had they they basically had the shoal, which is the place you went to in the the dark place in the ground where everybody went. Everybody. Christians came up with the, Christians came up with the idea of the of the heaven and so of heaven. So we can actually, of course, as I said, with Matthew six ten, we can, on earth as it is in heaven. And in, in Luke six sixteen, we have that the Lazarus goes to is taken away by the wings of the angels, and the 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 rich man goes to hell. Now, there's an interesting concept there. There is um, in the story that um, Lazarus is taken on the by um, the wings of angels. In these cave images, we find in these cave panels, the dominant character we find is a man who's dressed as a bird. So he becomes an avianoid. But he doesn't become the bird because he, he, he's shown to be wearing a mask, and you often see his, his chin or mouth underneath the mask. And one arm will be feathered, and the other arm will be, you know, humid. Um, and so there, we have this messenger character that to get to the underworld in your real life, and when you're still alive, to, tra- to travel back and forth, you have to go through an intermediary. And in the Paleolithic image, it's the, it's the bird man. And in ancient e- Egypt, it was Horus. Horus was the intermediary between the, um, the land of the dead or the next life. And in ancient Egypt, of course, we have the pyramids. And one of the mysteries of the great pyramids at Giza is no one's ever found a mummy in them. Um, and... I don't believe there ever were mummies in them, but I believe there were caves, and I believe there were caves. They created these caves in the mountains that people would, that the, um, the, the, um, it would be the, the hero's journey or the spiritual journey that the, the pharaoh would take into the underworld. And when they abandoned the, when they abandoned the, the, the pyramids, they went to the Valley of the Kings, and the Valley of Kings were these tunnels inside all these, inside those, the, mountain um, that they put, you know, people's belongings and everything else where they would find them, what they would need in the afterlife. And so the ancient Egyptians followed the same tradition that the underworld is the place that you go um, where you die. Um, You may ascend, you may ascend, you know, follow, you know, Osiris around the stars, all that sort of stuff. But in the end, but in the beginning, you, everybody goes to the underworld. Um, And it's not a bad place. Um, in the end, you know, if you don't get cremated, you're probably going to go to the underworld. Um, so we find these traditions around. We find these traditions, and around the world, we find shamanic traditions where the the shaman tra- transforms himself into a bird. He travels to the world of the dead, and he comes back with some sort of wisdom or strength to heal his people. If you look at uh... Eastern cultures, or maybe even uh, uh, Central American, uh, early Central American cultures, or Native American cultures, mm-hmm. uh, how much of this starts to show up in there? The the, the Birdman is all over the place. Um, so the the think think of if you could think of you know ten Native American images that predate you know the last hundred years, someone's probably got a feather on their head. Okay, and um, so the. 
the, the Native American um, spiritual leader, we call him a shaman, but he's not really a shaman. Um, he put on the feathered headdress, he put on the feather, and he, he, uh, he danced like a bird to travel back to speak to the, the world of the dead. Um, now, these traditions are, may not be actually very rare in Native American today. It's, it's very rare. And so people, Native Americans, will look through the eyes of Christianity and they'll say, no, 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 we didn't do that, we didn't do it. But they did. Okay, they did. In fact, in, in, in here in the Pacific Northwest, I'm here in Oregon, um, I have a friend who is a spiritual leader in the old traditions. He can go back, you know, ten generations of his line. And they have a tradition around the time of Halloween where the, they... Um, where they normally sit on, on the chairs or the stools, the benches, they, they sit on the floor, and so the ghosts will come in to sit. The ghosts of the past, or the spiritual leaders of the past, will sit in those, in those seats. And so they're communing with the dead. Um, and by communing with the dead, you learn the wisdom of the people from, that, from the past. So Native Americans did the, have the, the very similar tradition. They wear the same headdresses, and you can you can go around the world. You can find people um, seeking assistance to the the, um, the underworld, the dead, by wearing some sort of avianoid bird costume because it's the bird that tra- that helps you to travel the furthest. Into, um, into the sky. It's typically a raptor that people use as the feathers or the, or the dress because the, the, they believe that raptors are the most high-flying of all birds. So, yes, we find this among Native Americans as well. Um, and, yes, people were buried in the ground. Um, they were buried in, into the underworld. But people still traveled um, through... They still had this as-above-so-below tradition that they're all the same. So going to the underworld when you're buried is no different, or it's not. It's it's no different than you traveling among the stars. It's all the same place. So let's let's kind of bring this to a spiritual point. Um, what you you touched on this earlier, Bernie? What what are your beliefs about? Put put as above, so below aside for a second. Put the cave art aside for a second. What are your beliefs as a humanist? about an okay. afterlife. So I believe that whatever your faith is, that's what you take with you in the end. So if you believe that there's a heaven, stick to that belief. Because in those final seconds, in that final, the final moments of your life, whether that be for 10 seconds or you believe that to be an eternity, that's, that, is your, you, that is your eternity. That's it. So whatever your belief is. So in my last moments, I, I hope to be thinking about smiling children um, and loved ones and, you know, my life's work and the relationships that I've had. And I hope that will be my eternity. Whether or not I believe there's a heaven I'm going to take my, you know, my books with me or, you know, plug in my, my laptop is irrelevant because my eternity is those final moments. And that's and whether you believe in a heaven or a hell, whatever you believe in that final moment is your eternity. And so, whatever you believe, you got to stick to it. And you know, have a have a good faith statement, whatever that might be. Um, and my faith statement goes back to where earlier on I said that I believe that um, well, I will be cremated, whether you know or I'll be dust sooner or later, from, whether I'm buried in the ground or I'm, I'm burnt. 
I will become dust. And I will be blown around in the, the breath of the cosmos. Um, and I'll be circulating throughout this, this planet. You know, just we all will be sooner or later. Even if you're buried 10 feet in the ground, eventually there's going to come a time where your, your dust is going to be scattered. Um, and so that's what I believe. Um, and my energy um, will, will travel and become part of everything else. And so do I live on um, through my physical self? The answer is no. Um, but I do believe that we live on through the good deeds of our lives and maybe some sick, if we make significant impact on other people. So we have children. Um, and we have a family that we, we teach them how to be a good person. We teach them how to be you know, um, morally good or intellectually strong. And we, we, all this wisdom of our lives, some, some good, bad, and ugly, we pass on to them. And so I believe that we live on through the connections that we make in our life. And this is, I'm not Jewish, but this is really a Jewish belief, um, that we live on through our children. And, and, you know, we have extended families now that's not just our children. So you could be a teacher. You, you have a, a podcast, a radio show. You pass on your wisdom every episode, and you're sharing to the greater audience. So you're going to live on through tens of thousands and maybe hundreds of thousands of people. Through what you've said and what, and what you've communicated through the airwaves. Hmm. So I believe that we all live on. Some of us will live on more. The, 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 those who have the bigger microphones or have um, put more to pen and ink or blogged will live on in a greater um, place than people who have not. Um, but that, so I believe that's my eternity, um, and that's my uh, that's my existence, and that's what I'll in my last moments. I'll be thinking about what did I bring to this world, right? Um, and uh, so that asks you the question, JV. What would be your final thoughts in the end? Wow. Um... I mean, I'm 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 a Christian. But you know, you, ha- you really have to have this one. You have to know this because you could be hit by a car. <laughs> I know. You know, and you got you have five seconds before you're done, and you need to be ready with this one. Well, I got to tell you, you know, I've had some uh, experiences recently because I've had some. Unfortunately, I've had some death uh, in my family, and I've been present at these these situations, and I've seen some things that make me believe that uh, when it's my turn, that uh, some of those loved ones are going to be coming to get me. When are you coming to get you? They're going to be present in spirit form, uh, welcoming okay. me when I pass away. <laughs> and 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 I, you know, I I sat with my mom and I watched her pass away. And in the days before she passed, she was talking to her father and her mother, who had passed, obviously predeceased her. And, uh, you know, and obviously they weren't there. And I believe that they came to, to help bring her uh, t- across. Uh, and my father did the same thing. Uh, you know, it's it's it, I don't know what the phenomenon is, but I'm going to I'm going to believe that uh, there were loved ones there waiting to welcome my mom, my dad. And, and when it's my turn, me, uh, when we cross. Well, that's that is the story of Odysseus. Um, Odysseus goes to the underworld the land of the dead, to ask for help from the heroes and the ghosts. And 
it's 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 very similar. So for and that's you know that's eighth central BC, um, and the Paleolithic cave artists tens of thousands of years ago, they went into the cave. They went deep into this deep cave in the underworld, where they they traveled across time and space. Um, they traveled to the you know the shamans of the distant past to commune with them and ask for help. Um, it's necromancy. That's what it is, um, and we. It's something in us that we want to believe, that we want to continue on this path. And we can't escape from it. So it just becomes the question of, um, are, you, you know, are you going to meet your, your loved ones in the, the next life as Odysseus did or Hercules did? In fact, Hercules, so Hercules goes to the underworld. He sees the children that he killed, um, and he... he, he he questions whether he should return to um, the terrestrial life um, or stay with them. And he says to himself, I w- I'm, I'm ready to go back to see my children in this underworld. And, um, you know, there's that story that, um, then the, 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 song, the song that um, the blues guitarist sings, and... Um, his son had walked, had fallen off a a ledge out the window when he was a child, and um, tears he, in heaven. Are we talking about tears in heaven? Yeah, yeah, that's Eric Clapton. Will you remember yeah. me? Yeah, sure, that's and, right. Uh, and he's he's telling the same. He's actually telling the same story that Hercules had, who who actually slayed his children. Of course, um, who's the who 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 sung tears in heaven? Eric Clapton. Eric Clapton. So Eric Clapton is saying, you know, when I see you, will you recognize me? And, um, and in some ways, by, whenever he sings that song, um, he is tra- traversing the world, the living and the dead. Um, he's communing with his dead son. Um, and that's part of the beauty of the song. And he's saying, when I die, I want to see you in that place. Um, and I hope you recognize me because it'll be so many years later, and I'll, I will have changed. Um, and it's a—I mean, it's—it's it's a brilliant song, um, but it's a song that was been told for the ancient Greeks told the song, for, you know, or at least through the myth of Hercules. And um, and in the Paleolithic myths, the hero goes, you know, travels through the world, the underworld, um, to meet, you know. People of his, of his distant past, and they do it through animals. And so they, the hero on his journey is assisted by the eagle and the horse and the dolphin and all these other animals. Um, and that's the same thing as shamanic people in Siberia. When the, the, the Siberian shaman does his dance, he he kind of transforms into a horse and he transforms into a bird and um, and a you know a uh, bear and all these other animals because these animals take him to the, to the world of the dead because they see things and they hear things that we don't hear. Have, have you, ever, you have a cat or a dog? Yeah, we have a dog. You have a dog. Have you ever, like, just watched your dog and the dog seems to think there's something there that you don't see? Oh, yeah, of course. Sure. Okay. And so in the shamanic tradition, they believed that, or they still believe in Siberia, that the, the animals have senses that we don't have. They can see and hear things that we don't. And uh, so that's, um, 
but yeah, cats are another one. You know, cats are like you see cat. I don't know what the cat. You know, <laughs> the cat's crazy. But the cat isn't crazy. The cat sees something. Yeah. And um, so there's a you know is it a you know ghost in the dust bunny? I don't know. Um, but the but these the animals have senses that other animals I should say have senses that we don't have, and people have long recognized that you can travel to other places with the assistance of those animals. And so we say that we got, so the ancient, um, the ancient um, Egyptians, they used the raptor to get into heaven. And they're, actually, they're, they're, they're underworld. And they also used dogs. And it was Anubis would open up the eyes and, and guide the, the, the deceased through the, the land of the dead. And uh, there's, a, there's a tomb in Abydos, Egypt, that has mummified eight million dogs. What? What? <laughs> eight million dogs. It was discovered about ten years ago. And how you how you measure eight million dogs in a tomb? You can look. You can Google it. Abydos. Um, eight million dogs eight mummified. Million. Exactly. So there's probably like thirty million dogs in the United States right now. The only way you come up with eight million dogs is have puppy mills. And they the, that was a time in ancient Egypt where they believed all people could go to the afterlife as opposed to previously reserved for the pharaohs. And so they, they, they couldn't mummify everybody. They couldn't make uh, pyramids and tombs for everybody. And so they kind of did a, you know, kind of a, a group on. Um, and so people would pay for the, pay for a mummy, a mummy dog. And that would be their personal mummy dog that, took, that guided them through the afterlife. And just that's how it was done. You know, dogs are pretty cheap, right? You know, even today. Um, and so they, they mump eight million dogs, Abydos, Tomb, um, Saqqara. So they believe that the dog could help them to transit um, to, to where, to a place, to the underworld that, you know, we can't see, you know. And um, so hold your dog tight, right? Yeah, yeah. Hey, we have just. Is your dog going, is your dog going with you in the end? Uh, probably not, because it's really my daughter's. <laughs> well, you know, Native, not just say Native Americans, but people um, in ancient times, pre-Columbian contact in the United States, and in North America, North America, they buried themselves with the dogs, and not just like threw them in the grave, but the dog would be wrapped around, you know, the arm would be wrapped around the dog. Oh, wow. So this concept of the ancient Egyptians needing Anubis, a dog, to get, get them to the afterlife, it's not just an Egyptian tradition. Um, we have the same record in North America uh, with Native Americans, we said, I guess, and um, or first first people in um, First Nations in Canada. But so yes, um, I don't recommend everybody to buy a dog to have it mummified to take with them. But um, it's been done. Yeah. Hey, Bernie, we're almost out of time here, but, you know, we keep referencing the caves and your book before Orion. Um, in just a couple minutes, for people who may not have heard your discussions on this program over the last couple of years, let them know what the, what's the, what the nuts and bolts of this book are, because it might not make complete sense to them because we keep referencing them, referencing it as though they were part of these other conversations. Absolutely. So before Orion, Finding the Face of the Hero is an e-book. Available in all ebook formats. And if you don't want to get an ebook, my webpage, foreorion.com, has lots of images and videos and things like that. And before Orion, 
starts off with Pelot the Cave images 34,000 years ago. And I show that the, the images are, um, are the same characters that the Greeks used in mythology and other people. And that they, they, they actually, Greek um, constellations are lifted right off of these, these Pelotic cave images, the same characters in the same orders. And so the ancient Greek science is not based on what the Greeks figured out, but that they borrowed from people tens of thousands of years before them. And then I take that concept, and I travel you know, to the present, near present, I show that Picasso lifted images right off of the cave walls. And that modern, so modern art itself, cubism, is not modern art at all, but rather Picasso's borrowing, <laughs> and the best words I can use, cave images. And I go through um, throughout history, and I show that in many cases, we didn't invent things that we borrowed things from the borrowed from tens of thousands of years ago. And then I ask the question, well, if people tens of thousands of years ago, 34,000 years ago, were just as smart as us, well, maybe they couldn't make cell phones and you know, laptops and things like that. But if they had this intellectual capacity of myth and storytelling and deep imagination, and they thought and they felt and all these sort of things, has, have we changed in 34,000 years ago? And if we haven't changed in 34,000 years, how far back in time were we like this? And will we change, you know, going forward in 34,000 years? And the answer is big questions. And I discussed those in Before Ryan. But it's a really, it's the teacher's, book, teacher's edition book to the human condition. Where we come from and where we're going. Because you can't understand, have any sense of, where you're going to if you have no idea where you came from. Um, and so I take the reader um, or the listener throughout time on this, this spiritual and human journey to discover who we are and what we're all about. And that's probably, probably in a nutshell, um, but it, I'm out there on you know, Twitter and Reddit and Instagram and Facebook and YouTube and before Ryan, there's, there's hours and hours of videos and um, lots of material out there. Um, and well, it's fun. Yeah, it, it's a lot of fun. And it's intriguing. And I, I certainly appreciate you, uh, first of all, the work you've put into making this understandable, but secondly, sharing it with, with people as well. So once again, just, just to clarify, uh, Before Orion is an ebook, and it's available where? Everywhere there are ebooks. Kindle and Barnes and Noble and Nook and there's dozens of ebook formats. And this is a this is a message to the reader. If you don't listen, you don't have an ebook reader now. Get one because it'll cost you half as much for an ebook as a print book, and you're not killing any trees. So if you you know in ten in a hundred years they can look back at us and say, why were these people all worried about global warming? And they're knocking down trees to read to read books that they could have had on their own ebook. Um, so there's a there's my environmental message for the evening. But well, yes, uh, before Ryan.com, wherever ebooks are carried, it's out there. All right, well, save a tree. Yeah, save a tree. Uh, obviously, um, it's very convenient because you can get it instantly as well. Um, Listen, Bernie, it's always fascinating to have you on the program. I'm glad that uh, you are right now the record holder of appearances on the show, and I hope we can keep it that way because every time you're on, I learn something, and it's just a fascinating story. And we went to hell and back tonight, didn't we? Yes, we did. 
couple Let's times. Let's do it again, JV. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Bertie. Beyond Reality Paranormal is hosted by JV Johnson and produced by Orion Palmer and Slick Eddie Edwards. Like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please consider supporting the program either through your podcast platform, click on the link in the description, or on Patreon at Joha Productions. If you'd like to be a guest on Beyond Reality Paranormal or you have a recommendation for a guest, contact our producer, Slick Eddie Edwards. Eddie is spelled with a Y at slickeddieedwards at gmail.com.